0: We're going to be in Proverbs 3 today. Uh, Proverbs 3, we've been looking at Proverbs. Let's see, is Pastor Mac here today? I don't see him. That's good, that's good, because I can make a little announcement. Um, we, As many of you know, most of you know, uh, he's going to be retiring in a couple of weeks here from his service at Faith Bible Church, 32 years of service. Uh, he has touched the lives of so many people in this first service and the second service and the community. And so we're we're planning a special service for him on September 15th, where it's a celebration of uh, he and Jan's ministry here. Um, And the reason I was glad he wasn't here this morning is what we're planning on doing. We know that there could be a lot of people at this service on the 15th. And we know that there could be a lot of people who want to share in the service on the 15th. And we know that there's not a lot of time in the service on the 15th. You know, we're going to try to fill as much as we can. But in order to... Let's say maximize our testimony time and our sharing time. And what we're asking as the office is, um, if you'd be willing to videotape some little a little snippet, a thanks or a little testimony, just like a minute long or so or two minutes long, um, we would appreciate that because we're going to have someone edit that, put that together, and to be played during the service on the 15th and um we actually have a young man uh who's a video guy and he's going to be down at the other building in the office area this morning and also next week as well and so if you wouldn't mind if you would be willing to give a little testimony and put it on video uh, that's just going to help us with the flow of the service because we know if we open it up to testimony we would be there all day long, which is not a bad thing, but we also want to honor the time, and we all have a a lunch planned and all sorts of stuff. So if you get bored during the service, sermon, you know, you've already already heard the message, you can go down there and do your testimony, you know, or whatever. No, after the service, we'll see if we can, I'll try to keep this tight. Um, And then if you would want to, if you'd be willing to go down there and, uh, just share your thoughts, your Thanksgiving, uh, so that we can have that for 2nd Jan on the 15th. That would be great. So, shh. All right. Oh, goodness. Also, I also wanted to say, um, uh, Missy, Missy Anscombe here leading us worship, Justin as well. Uh, it's great to have you guys here, uh, but I want to put a little plug in because on the 1st, which is next Sunday, uh, Missy and Mike Anscombe are going to share. They're part of YWAM and uh, missions that we support and they're going on a huge trip coming up in the end of fall and, and the holiday time end of december excuse me holiday time and so i just want to prepare prepare us because next week they're going to share give a little testimony of what they're going to be doing overseas as they're teaching students how to be disciples of jesus and how to share their faith in jesus and how to worship jesus and all these great things uh, the trip costs some money, so next week we're going to have them share. We're going to have an opportunity for a love offering, and we're also planning on having a, a bake sale out in the hallway to help support them on their trip. So I just wanted to put that little plug out there so that we're prepared for next week when they come to share. So thank you very much. We look forward to it. Uh, they're in our small group, and we just love hearing about what's what's happening at YWAM. And when go. yeah, <laughs> yeah. When do you go? When do you leave? We went last week. <laughs> Uh, okay, anyway, two public announcements, two service announcements, and now we can get into the text. Thank you for that brief interruption. Okay, Book of Proverbs. We've been in the Book of Proverbs the last few weeks now. This is, I think, like our fourth week in the in the book. We're not covering it all, but we're just taking a, a quick peek at what it means to, to uh, seek wisdom, to be on the path of wisdom. We talked about Um, a couple weeks ago, listening to wise voices because there are all sorts of voices out there that are just flooding us with information and pulling us in, in, uh, in a direction, and we need to be wise and discerning on who we listen to and who we follow, which last week we talked about who are we pursuing, what are we pursuing, and what we pursue, like Steve said, what we pursue will determine what we become in this life. And so it's very critical that we have our our eyes opened, our ears open to what's going on all around us as we are living this life. And we we said at the very beginning that wisdom is really just the skill of living life. And I think every single one of us in this room um, would want to uh, live life well, would want to be successful in life, would want to be content and happy and find joy In the life that we're living, and wisdom is basically a skill that helps us live that way. But where does wisdom come from? Proverbs, right at the beginning, Solomon, the guy who wrote this book, um, king of Israel, as a young man, he cried out to God. God said, I'm going to give you something that you want. Ask me anything, and I will give it to you. And he said, he cried out, I need wisdom. I'm a young man. I don't know how to rule this people. I don't want to mess this up. Um, and Lord, I just need wisdom for my life. And he then tells us in chapter one, that wisdom ultimately does come from the Lord. True wisdom comes from the Lord. And then there are all these other voices out there that are trying to pull us into various directions, and we need to be discerning. We need to be discerning about who we're listening to, who we are, who we are following, and who we are trusting and what we are trusting. And today we're gonna to talk about trust. Now, when I talk, say trust, and I say, yeah, we're gonna talk about trust in the Bible, if we've been a Christian for a, a long, long time, we may automatically think that, oh yeah, I trusted Jesus Christ when I was a little boy, or I trusted Jesus Christ when I was in high school, and oh, that's great, I've been following Jesus since then. And you may be thinking, oh, when you talk about trust and putting your trust in Jesus, oh, pastor, this is going to be one of those messages where we're just inviting new people to come into the kingdom of God. And yes, that's true. But I also want to talk about what does it mean to continually trust in Jesus? It's one thing to trust in Jesus and be secure in our salvation, be secure in our kingdom position, but it's actually another thing to actually live a kingdom life which I believe, and I think the scriptures speak to this, that we have to continually trust in what Jesus is doing in our lives. It's called you know, sanctification. We, we are saved in Jesus, but then we are continually sanctified if we walk and we follow the path that he has laid out right before us, and we continue to, if we are following him, grow holier and holier in our life, and the things of this world start to really drop away from us because we know we are pursuing Jesus and we are pursuing him fully and, and nothing else. And so trust is, yes, it's, a, it's, a, it's an experience in our life where we, we come into the kingdom and we come into his family and we are called God's children, but it's also a, a life thing, a life thing. And we have to continue to, to trust in what Jesus is doing because I've seen a number of people, I've known a number of people uh, I'm thinking of, of folks that I went to college with and I went to a, a great Christian university and uh, some of the, the folks, that I, the, the guys and, and girls that I went to college with, I see them now and they've just totally left Jesus by the wayside and they were so on fire at the time and for some reason in their life they decided, no, I, I don't trust this anymore. I don't trust who Jesus is anymore. It's, it's so sad to see and we don't want to be like that. We don't want to be like that. Uh, So that's why all of these start to mix together, those we listen to, what we pursue, who are we ultimately trusting in. And I think gaining wisdom involves trust, because trust allows us to look outside of ourselves. Trust allows us to look outside of ourselves, open ourselves up a little bit to be vulnerable, to be open uh, to see what, what Jesus is going to bring into our lives, to, to hear those, those wise voices who are outside of us and not just rely on our own understanding. And Solomon, the author of this, is going to speak right to this. Proverbs chapter 3. And we're just going to take a, a, a small section of this, and we're, then we're going to pa- uh, go around to some other scripture as well. Proverbs 3, verse 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Oh, Yep. There we go, yes, I trusted Jesus when I was four years old. You know, I've been walking with Jesus since I was four years old, and like I said, it doesn't stop right there. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not rely on your own understanding. Some translations will say, do not lean on your own understanding. Mine says, do not rely. I kind of like that lean, uh, do not lean on your own understanding, which is probably like NIV or something like that. King James. King James. Uh, do not lean on your own understanding. When we lean on something, we're putting our weight on it, right, you know, I'm, I'm gonna lean on this podium, I'm putting my, my weight on this thing, trusting that it's, it's gonna support me as I fully lean on this thing. Do not lean, do not rely on your own understanding. See, what happens is we really find safety and security in, in our own stuff in the way that we look at the world, right? You know, maybe we've, you know, if I do this, I, I've been living long enough, so I, I know that when I do this, this is gonna happen. If I make this decision, then this should happen. As I process through my brain and my thoughts, then you know, A plus B equals C, and I get very comfortable in that. I start to rely on that, that this is always gonna be the outcome if I do these things. Maybe we've had past successes. Past successes are great, but they can also be very dangerous, because when we're successful in something, we, we start to, to kind of go into ourselves and say, oh, this is the way it works in the past. This is how I, I, I scored that, that big job in the past. This is how I, I, I earned that raise in the past. This is how I worked with my family in the past. This is how uh, church has always functioned in the past. We start to kind of whoop, get into our own little mind, our own little space, and it doesn't leave room for what God may be doing that's outside of that. Now, what if past success doesn't work in the future? What if the things that we've done in the past aren't going to be the solutions to the problems of the future? We see businesses uh, all, you know, this is all over the place. Businesses fall into this trap where a business creates a, a very successful product and meets the need of the consumer. Oh, man, we're making big bucks off of this thing. And a few years later, what happens? A lot of these companies, we don't hear from them again. Why? They got so focused on what they had done at that time, this is the solution, this is the process, this is you know, what's gonna make it work again and again and again, and they don't see the new change in the market, they don't see the, the change with the consumer, they're, their customers are asking different questions or they're seeking different solutions. I think Kodak fell into this trap. You're familiar with Kodak Film? Kodak Film, they were approached early on in the digital age and say, oh, they're researchers, they're innovators, were like, hey, digital's coming. We gotta change, we gotta do something different. And the, the, the CEOs, the bigwigs in there said, no, film has been our staple. Film is where we make all our money. And what happened to that? Well, this, <laughs> you know, and cameras everywhere, the digital revolution in, in computers and um, digital information. And um, I think they're still around, but you know what? They're playing catch-up. Companies like that, they fall into the trap of like, this is what we've done. This is where, who we are. This is what we do. And if, you, if, you get, if we get too focused on what we think is right, what we've done in the past, what has worked, then we may miss a bigger picture of what God's doing in this world. Sometimes the brilliance of our own minds, our own understanding, it blinds us to the new or the best thing that is sitting right in front of us. And what's amazing about the scriptures, it speaks to this because we, we have this whole Bible here, you know, thousands of pages of story about how God's works in, in people's lives. And, and is, it, is it just a repeating story? Are, are the stories that, that God brings in, the examples, the, the challenges, the trials, the, the opportunities, oh, they're, they're all different and varied and, and they meet the people's needs right then and there. But sometimes we get caught up in our own minds and it blinds us to maybe what God is trying to do, uh, something new or different or out of the box or something, a little adjustment along the way. He says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not rely, do not lean on your own understanding. Don't put your weight, your full weight on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, know him, and he will make your path straight. Verse 7, don't be wise in your own eyes. Like he has to repeat himself here. I told you, don't lean on your own understanding. Don't be wise in your own eyes. What does it mean to be wise in our own eyes? Well, I've been reading some books on personalities and character and and leadership and all sorts of great stuff, and you know that each one of us here is wired a little bit differently, right? You ever take those personality tests, like the Myers-Briggs test and stuff like that, and you can fall in like 16 different places, 16 different boxes on this thing? Very complex, but it, it really pegs you there. And, and if we took a, one of those inventories, if we took one of those assessments today, then, then each one of us would almost be in a different place because we all have different experiences, different personality, different character. God has wired us all a little bit differently. And there's similarities between a number of us, but, but God has made you who you are and he's not made anybody else like you. And what does that mean then? Well, when we are looking through our own eyes, we're seeing the world in a certain way. You know, we, you, you think about the professional world out there. You know, if I went around this room and asked each person here what you did professionally or who you are in the workplace or who you were as like a student, we would all have like a different answer. There may be a couple of repeating answers out there. And we look at that and we say, oh man, isn't it great that God created this big, this great big world and all of us are different? We have policemen, we have firemen, we have doctors, we have accountants, we have lawyers, we have preachers, we've got artists, we've got architects, we've got all of these different professions that look at the world so differently and they all have a a task and a job and an interest in this world. And isn't it great? Isn't God so creative? Isn't he wonderful? But when it comes down to brass tacks a living life and we're, we're, we're put in a challenging situation or maybe we're put in a, stretch, a stretching situation and someone is challenging us or, or someone's uh, stretching us, maybe uh, that's happened to you recently, what is our first reaction? It's not like, oh, isn't this so wonderful? Our first reaction may be, well, aren't they an idiot for thinking that way? Aren't they ridiculous for even thinking that that would be the solution? I know that this is the way we need to go. I know this is what we need to do because I'm brilliant. I'm looking through my own eyes. And why in the world would they think anything different? Why in the world would they act that way? I don't think I can trust them. See how that starts to play out there? What tends to happen to us is we see with our own eyes, and what we see with our own eyes becomes our reality. And we don't find true wisdom in a limited world view. We can't lean on our own understanding completely. And if we're seeking wisdom, we've got to make sure to take a peek outside of our own mind our own brain our own eyes to hear what others are saying as well you think about you know in different phases of life different people i was thinking about kids you know you got these you got kids i've got children in my in our house and so you know uh If you've had kids as well, you know, what happens right before dinner time? You're you're fixing dinner, you got something on the stove, what happens right before dinner time? The kid wants a cookie, the kid wants a candy bar, right? Why? Because they know they're hungry, right? You know, it's dinner time, they're hungry. They want the cookie, they want the candy bar because they want to satisfy their own appetite right then and there. And what do you have to do as a good parent? You actually have to tell them no. But in their eyes, in their mind, the cookie, the candy bar is the solution, and we can we can get that way ourselves. You think of a, a teenager and I don't want to I've got a couple teenagers in this room. I got a couple teenagers at the house. I don't want to I'm not gonna point fingers, not gonna look at you. But what happens with teenagers is is you wanna you wanna get yourself maybe into a, a risky situation. You stretch, you're, you're you're pushing the boundaries and you may be wanting to get yourself into what could be a risky situation. Your parents are saying, No, no no and i remember being a teen and telling my my folks oh nothing's going to happen <laughs> nothing's going to happen and you as a parent though are not, know that oh that's just going to be destructive don't walk down that road but with when we're focused on you know what we're what we're seeing and with our own eyes our how our own minds are processing if we get so focused on that we start to push other people away, you know, the man or the woman who's going through the midlife crisis and they're buying the car. They're blowing the money on the car. Do people do that today still? <laughs> I know that was, a, that was a big stereotype when I was growing up. Oh yeah, you know, buying the car, whatever it may be. And a spouse who's trying to reel them in, a family who's trying to reel them in saying, no, 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 that's not wise. We've got to eat. <laughs> no, no, but this, this is this is going to help. This is going to solve it. This is going to make everything all right if I do this. And we get caught up in our own worldview, our own limited worldview, and and what our eyes see and what our minds are processing through. And we start to lean on our own understanding. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And do not rely, do not lean on your own understanding in all your ways. Acknowledge Him, know Him, and He will make your path straight. Don't be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. Solomon tells us, trust in the Lord. On the path to wisdom, it requires trust. Walking in the path of wisdom requires trust. First and foremost, trust in the Lord. The one who is bigger And more awesome than we are. The one who can see everything. The one who has this pulse pulse on everything that's happening. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Trust means to have a firm belief in the reliability, truth, ability, or strength of someone or something. Again, trust. Firm belief in the reliability, truth, ability, or strength of someone or something. Trust is putting our full weight on something. Each and every one of us has come into this room and we've fully put in our trust in these chairs that we're sitting on. And that's the big cliche in, you know, in, in the, when we talk about trust. But we've all come in here and you know, we trust that you know, this is gonna hold my weight and I can put my full weight on it. We can sit in it and put our full weight on it. And trust is the ability to be able to rely on something else, to put our full weight on something or someone else. And when we talk about trust, we have to also talk about fear. Sometimes we don't trust that other people have our best interest in mind, and sometimes this uh, uh, makes us act out of fear. Now sometimes this is justified, other times it's not. There There are times in your life where people will hurt you and you will lose your trust in them because they've done something damaging to you in a relationship or at, at work or, or a decision they've made. And how do we, uh, what do we do with that? So sometimes it can be justified, sometimes it's unjustified. And I think we have to put, we have to look at trust and fear together because fear is often or is always the opposite of trust. Think about the things that the people that you trust in your lives, do you you fear them? Do you fear that they're going to hurt you? If you really trust them, do you you fear that they're going to hurt you? Think about the the people you don't trust in your life. Is there fear there because they've done something or they've proven themselves untrustworthy or hurtful in the past? And so these go together. Um, If you look at the spectrum, trust is on one side, fear is on. The other side, I, I was thinking about you know um, trust and fear, and, and trust can be seen as like a gas pedal. When we trust, when we fully trust in someone or, or something that's going on in our life, man, where, where'd you going. We can move, we can move, we can move forward. Fear, though, is like the brake in a car. If we fear, oh, what do you do? You slam on that brake if you're afraid of something, you slam on that brake. I don't like roller coasters. I've mentioned this before. I don't like the heights. I don't like the speed. And we come to the entrance of a roller coaster and my wife's saying, hey, come on, let's go, let's go. And my feet are firmly planted. It's like, no, I am not moving. She has full trust in that 200 foot plus thing that she wants to strap us into and go whizzing down this this huge uh, slope. And I'm like, No, she's all in, and I'm like, no, I got the brakes on. I got the brakes on. She's plowing forward. She's full trust. I've got the brakes on in that thing. Silly situation, but trust is like the gas pedal. Fear is like a break in our lives. The words of the wise sage Yoda He says, Fear is the path to the dark side. Fear leads to anger. Anger leads to hate. Hate leads to suffering. Oh, Great quote from a movie that came out a long time ago, but it ties into actually what we talked about last week. What we pursue will determine what you become. What you become affects everyone around you. Oh, yeah, fear leads to anger. Anger leads to hate. Hate leads to suffering. You see that progression there and how if, we, if we're working in fear, if we're only operating in fear, it really does start to uh, uh, affect everyone around us. Someone once said that, you know, our fears and our mistrust can bleed onto other people who had no part in our previous situation or our previous hurt. I don't know if you've ever experienced that. But if you've been around someone who maybe had a a frightful situation or they were hurt or they were abused, one one of the things that can happen is even if you weren't involved in that situation, even if you're new to the relationship, sometimes those fears can bleed on to other people. And we don't even intend it that way. And fears come in a lot of different shapes and sizes. Like I've mentioned, hurt, pain, rejection, abuse... Maybe we were told to never do something, and so we, oh, we shouldn't do that. Ooh, I was told never to do this, so I, I better stay away from that. Lots of, lots of lots of different reasons that we fear. Sometimes, sometimes our fear and our mistrust comes from our very own pride, and pride and fear may go together. Pride and mistrust may go together. I'm not getting what I want. I don't agree with that other person, and I'm not getting what I want. I could do so much better than they are doing. I have a better solution. I I could do whatever it is so much better than they can. Tim Keller says that pride is the carbon monoxide of sin. It silently and slowly kills you without you even knowing it. I think fear and pride and mistrust, they, they all start to go together as we're living this thing called life. And Jesus, throughout his ministry... Jesus, throughout his ministry, he makes a bold statement. He basically says, trust me, trust me. Now he uses many different words, follow me, abide in me, remain in me. And he uses a phrase that we're going to look at today, do not fear, do not fear. Jesus says that with me, you can put your fears aside. I want to look at a couple of stories about Jesus. Proverbs, Solomon has said, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not rely on your own understanding. Well, who is this Lord that we trust in? Who is this Lord that we trust in? Go, go ahead and turn to, to Matthew chapter 10, if you will. We're going to spend just a few minutes here. Matthew chapter 10, verse 16. In Matthew, this, the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus has just gotten done commissioning. The 12 apostles. So he's got his disciples, and and disciples were the ones who were following Jesus. Apostles were the 12 guys that were close to Jesus, and he called them out specifically. We call them disciples still. We, we often don't call them apostles until after the church was birthed and they became leaders in the church. But, but here it says that Jesus had just gotten done commissioning the 12 apostles, those guys who were closest to him. They were going to follow him everywhere. He had a, you know, hundreds of other people who were following him, and we, would call, we could call them disciples because they were following this teacher, learning what Jesus had to say. But he commissioned the 12 and said, okay, I'm calling you out. Uh, I'm choosing you. you you've, you've followed me. I'm going to go even deeper with you. I'm going to give you special teaching and training. And when, we, when he talks about all these parables that he, you know, Jesus uses so many great stories during his ministry, and no one understands what's going on. And he always goes with the 12 and says, well, this is what it means. This is what it means. This is what it means. And so he goes deeper with these guys. He just commissioned these guys. <coughs> You're the team. You are my guys. You are the team. We are going to change the world through this ministry and through this work. And you get a front-row seat to all of this stuff, the miracles, the teaching, the healings. You get a front-row seat to all this stuff. You get the, the, you're get in the inner circle where I'm going to explain things to you. Here we go. You are the guy. So he gets done commissioning them, <clears throat> and I can see, man, whew, I was called by Jesus. We were called by Jesus. Hey, here we go. Here we go. Let's get this thing going. Let's get this show on the road. And he says, Jesus says in verse 16, look, I am sending you out like sheep among wolves. That is not a good thing in our minds. (laughs) You know, that if, if I'm just thinking and I'm, I'm, You know, I don't know what Jesus wants to do with my life, and I'm just, okay, sheep amongst wolves. Well, okay, the sheep get eaten by the wolves. Jesus, how is this a good thing? How is this going to further our ministry? I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves. Therefore, be shrewd as serpents and innocent as doves. Beware of them, because they will hand you over to local courts. They're going to imprison you. They're going to flog you in their synagogues. You will even be brought before governors and kings because of me to bear witness to them and to the Gentiles. But when they hand you over, don't worry about how you, will, how you will respond or what you are to speak, for you will be given what to say at that hour, because it isn't you speaking, but the Spirit of your Father speaking through you. Brother will betray brother to death, and a father his child. Children will rise up against parents and have them put to death. You will be hated by everyone because of my name. Isn't this a great pep talk? Pulled him onto the team and said, hey, this is what's going to happen. This is what it's going to look like. You guys excited about this? (laughs) Sheep and the wolves thing? You've seen the sheep on the side of the road that the wolves have come and gotten. Hey, and you know what? Your parents may not like you. Your brothers and sisters may not like you. There's going to be other people that follow me, and they're going to be arrested. They're going to be turned in by their parents because maybe their parents are, are, are dedicated Jews, and they follow the law, and, and how can this guy claim to be the Messiah, and my kids have followed him, and man, they need to learn a lesson, so why don't you go take them away? Some of you are actually going to be killed. At the least, at the very least, You will be hated by everyone because of my name. Glad you joined the team, guys. Glad you joined the team. Ah, But the one who endures to the end will be saved. He goes on in verse 26. Therefore, what do you mean therefore? That's it. Yeah, I'm looking forward to this, Jesus. I'm looking forward to it. Don't be afraid of them. Don't be afraid of them. Since there is nothing covered that won't be uncovered, nothing hidden that won't be made known. What I tell you in the dark, speak in the light. What you hear in a whisper, proclaim on the housetops. Verse 28, Don't fear those who kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul. Rather, fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. All this stuff that you're going to go through in the reality is what what will it actually do to you? And Jesus is saying here, there is more to you, there is more to us than just this flesh and bone than just this world that sits right around us. Do not fear that in this world that that, that can come and destroy your bodies because you are so much, more than that. You follow me, you are set. I'm going to give you the spirit. He's going to tell you what to say. I'm going to see. Later on, when the, when the church is birthed, we see them sealed by the spirit. We see the same thing with all of those who come to Christ. Jesus says, stamps you, you are mine. You are mine, and you are more than just this world that you see around you. Don't be afraid of what can happen to your body. Don't be afraid of what the, the physical pains, the, the trials of this world. Rather, again, it goes back to, we talked about, where the, 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 the wisdom come from? It comes from the fear of the Lord, awe of the Lord, who He is, what He's going to do, who we are, knowing that we need a Savior. Fear God, because He's able to destroy both the soul and the body in hell. Aren't two sparrows sold for a penny, yet one of them falls to the ground without yet not one of them excuse me not one of them falls to the ground without your father's consent without God knowing it but even the hairs of your head have been counted so don't be afraid you are worth more than any sparrow jesus says you're going to experience things in this life that you're not going to understand that could cause pain to you don't be afraid don't be afraid trust in me will you trust in me, in the work that I'm doing here? Will you trust in me in the kingdom that I'm bringing, a new kingdom to this place? Trust in me. Don't be afraid. Trust in me. That's a pretty bold statement by Jesus. You're going to experience pain, you're going to experience trial. The things of this world aren't looking out for your best interest. In fact, they may try to tear you down. And maybe there's some of us today who feel like the world is just trying to tear. Us down, and it's not fun. It's not pleasant. It doesn't feel great. It's not what we wish for our lives. But Jesus says, Oh, those things, they can eat away at at your body. They can eat away at at your bank account. They can eat away at, at other things that are temporary in this life. Trust in the one who's got all of you covered. All of you covered. You're bigger than this, you're greater than this. I've made you for more than this. And he proves himself. Jesus doesn't, great, you know, he's great because he doesn't just teach him, but he, but he proves this stuff as well. Earlier on, Jesus took him on a field trip. And I love that. I heard another pastor say Jesus took him on a field trip. I thought that was great. Jesus is always taking these guys on field trips, right? He's teaching them something. He takes them on a field trip to, to really put the, the lesson into play. And earlier on, right before this message, right before this teaching in, in Matthew chapter 8, I'm going to look at verse 23. He takes him on a field trip and says, Okay, I'm going to be teaching you about fear. Let's put this into action here. As he got into a boat, into the boat, the disciples followed him. You know where Jesus is going, the disciples are going, and these are going to be the apostles with him that he commissions later. Suddenly a violent storm arose on the sea, so that the boat was swamped by the waves. But Jesus kept sleeping. Jesus uh, apparently fell asleep in the boat before this thing even happened. Maybe, maybe he's so pooped know, tired from the ministry and he just needs a time to rest or whatever, recuperate. And so he goes to the back of the boat, he lays his head on the pillow, and they're rowing him out. These guys are fishermen, they know the sea. Hey, Jesus, we got this taken care of. You've been preaching all day long. You go ahead and sleep in the boat, and all of a sudden this storm starts rolling all around them. So the disciples came and woke him up. You know, he's the guy in charge. So what do you do? If you're in trouble, you go to the guy in charge, right? You're struggling at work, you go to your boss. He's the guy in charge. So the disciples came to him, woke him up, saying, Lord, save us. We are going to die. Have you ever been in a storm like that? I, I've personally not been in a boat in a storm like that. I've been in a boat that they say is calm water and I still feel like I'm, I'm doing this. I can't imagine being in a boat on a storm. You guys are from like the east coast here, so you guys maybe have more experience than I do in, in having a boat on the ocean. Has anybody been in a storm like this where you just felt like, I am going to die? One brave soul, two brave souls, a couple brave souls in the back, yeah. So they're in this boat, these guys are fishermen. These guys live in their boats. You know what? They're they're out there in the water all the time. And apparently the storm was so great that they they came out and said, Lord, we're going to die. I can imagine Peter and James and John and Andrew, these fishermen guys, they've been been thrown out of the boats before. I, I can imagine that, you know, if they've been, if they're, any good at what they do. They've spent time doing it. They've spent time as fishermen. I'm sure at some point in their lives, they have lost control and they have fallen onto the boat. And here they say, this is so bad, Lord. We are going to die. The water is coming in. We're going to capsize. This thing's taking us down and you're sleeping in the back. He says to them, Jesus says to them, why are you afraid? Here, Jesus, this is why I'm afraid. The lightning, the wind, the storms, the sails have been taken away. We can't row any further, any faster. The the water's coming in. This is why we're afraid, Jesus. Why are you afraid? And apparently he'd just been relaxing and chilling in the back of the boat because it says, Then he got up. Then he got up, rebuked the winds and the seas, And there was a great calm. There was a great calm. And their first reaction, as as Matthew was writing this, Matthew, one of the disciples, one of the ones who was following Jesus, he says, The men were amazed and asked, What kind of man is this? What kind of man is this? Even the winds and the sea obey him. Jesus puts him in the boat. The storm pops up. He, ha, he gives them a, an experience you know, of, of fear. He, he allows them to, to sit and an experience of, of fear or trust. They respond with fear. We're gonna die. This is hopeless. The ministry stops right now. You know, they're, they're just gonna write your name in a book as oh, Jesus died at sea. The lost preacher <laughs> died at sea. You know, this is this is over for them. He says, Why are you afraid? Why are you afraid? And Jesus, this is a common theme within the message of Jesus to his disciples. Do not be afraid. Trust in me. Follow me. Remain in me. Abide in me. Don't be afraid. And then he comes a couple of chapters later in Matthew and says, and maybe they were thinking of the boat at that time. Maybe they were thinking of some other situations where, hmm, yeah, we have been afraid. And Jesus tells us that the things that can take away our physical life, the things that can give us pain and hurt in this world, you do not have to fear them. I am with you. I am with you. Trust in the one who has control over this whole thing. A little later in the gospel, in, in, in most of the gospels this, this story is recorded as well, Jesus takes him on another field trip. Jesus takes them on another field trip. I'm looking at Mark 6, and I told you we're going to be, we're going to be jumping around a little bit here. Mark 6 is great. Uh, they're in the ministry with Jesus. They're, they're seeing everything that he's done, and he, he's healing. He's, he's working all these miracles, and they, they come to a mountain. And thousands of people have followed Jesus to this mountain, to this hill, to hear His teaching, and, and apparently Jesus goes on a little too long because now all of a sudden it's late in the day. Can you imagine sitting with a preacher and you start in the morning and all of a sudden, oh goodness, it's dinner time. It's dinner time. And He's, he's got these thousands of people around Him and the disciples are whispering in His ear, Jesus, Jesus. These guys are getting hungry. These men and women are getting hungry. Why don't you send them away? You know, they need to go into the town and get something to eat. Maybe we can pick this up, you know, do session two a little later. Start session two tomorrow. And, and Jesus says, now, nah, tell you what, you guys feed them. You guys feed them. This will cost us a year, Jesus. You know, have you seen the bank account? Have you seen the, the, the bag that Jesus is carrying with the money? Have you seen how much money we've actually got in our bags to feed us? And you want us to feed them? He says, no, you, you feed them. Bring me what you got. Bring me what you got. And you, you've got the, the, loaves of fish, or the loaves of bread and the, the, the couple of fish. And he says, we got this covered. Start passing it out. Start passing it out. And so these disciples, the apostles, they start passing out this food that they have. And it, it, it's enough. It spreads. Jesus multiplies through them, multiplies the food to feed everyone there on the mountain. And these guys, at the end of the day, they're collecting baskets full of the stuff, the leftovers. They're filling baskets full of leftover food. And I can imagine they're getting pretty high in this. Did you see what Jesus did? Did you see what we got to do with Jesus? Did you see how I was passing out this basket and it kept going and going and going? And, and John, you were doing the same thing. And, and Andrew, you did the same thing. And can, Man, wasn't it so amazing what Jesus did with us and, and we were able to do with Jesus? And there it goes again. Jesus says... Jesus gets him, in verse 45 of Mark 6. Immediately, immediately he made his disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side. I can imagine, there's, there's, there's a number of reasons that Jesus was telling them to, to, okay, get in the boat, get in the boat, get in the boat. Time to get in the boat, guys. Time to get in the boat you know maybe they were getting kind of high in themselves and you see what we're doing you know jesus why don't we stay here a little bit longer now we can we can play to the crowd you can keep teaching and we can do some more great things and it was so great how you worked through us and that was such a high experience we want to feel more of that I mean get in the boat guys get in the boat time to get in the boat you know and jesus is pushing them into the boat immediately Immediately, he made them, coerced them. He's basically pushing them. This is language he's like pushing them into the boat. Guys, get in the boat. I Pick up someone and throw them in the boat. You go, you go. And it says that he pushed them off, basically. He pushed them off. He waved goodbye to them. He says goodbye to them. Pushed them off so that he could disperse the crowds. Maybe in their mind, they're thinking, I don't want to get in another boat with Jesus. Do <laughs> you remember what happened last time? You remember what happened last time? We almost died. And you remember these disciples, as they're living their life, they don't remember all of the, the positive outcomes, some of the miracles that happened. They're, they're pretty forgetful on how Jesus actually handles the situation. So I could see them. They're either pretty high on themselves, and they just want to keep working with the crowd, or they're thinking, I ain't getting in another boat with this guy right now. We just got into a boat, and we almost died But he said goodbye to them, he pushed them, Jesus basically pushes them offshore, he says goodbye to them, and he went away to the mountain to pray. Well into the night, so late, late, late into the night, the boat was in the middle of the sea, and he was alone on land. Late into the night, the boat's in the middle of the sea, he's on land, and he saw them straining at the oars, because the wind was against them. They're rowing and rowing and rowing, and they're not getting anywhere. These guys are fishermen. They're, they're strong guys. You know? They know how to handle a boat. The wind was against them. Very early in the morning, Jesus lets them out there for a long time. He lets them float out there for a long time. Very early in the morning, he came toward them walking on the sea and wanted to pass by them. When they saw him walking on the sea, they thought it was a ghost and cried out because they, they all saw him and were terrified. Immediately he spoke with them and said, "'Have courage, it is I. "'Don't be afraid.' "'Then he got into the boat with them, "'and the wind ceased. "'They were completely astonished.'" They had just been in the boat with Jesus a couple chapters ago in the scriptures. Who knows, weeks, months, or whatever this was. They had been in the boat with Jesus. Terrible storm comes up, and they're astonished at what he does with the winds and the waves. They see him walking towards them. He gets into the boat completely astonished again because they did not understand the loaves and said their hearts were hardened. They didn't understand. They didn't see the the miracle. They didn't see the provision. they They didn't process with their eyes or their minds what Jesus was doing. And he has to tell them again do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. So the disciples, they walk through life with Jesus, there with them. And what keeps popping up? Fear. Wait, what's going on here? What are we doing now? What's going to happen here? And this is actually, this is a side note. This is one of the... One of the reasons that we can even trust, that we can really trust in Jesus and trust what we see in the scriptures because these scriptures were written at a time when these apostles had, they had started to establish the church. These were the bigwigs. They were the teachers. They, they had it all together. You wanted to go sit with Peter. You wanted to go sit with John. You wanted to go study with them because they had been with Jesus. In the first century, you wanted to know these guys because they were the bigwigs in the church and they're writing in the scriptures. They're writing in these letters that we were afraid we were afraid. We doubted. We doubted Jesus. And there's actually a literary um, uh, way to, to, to analyze literature that's called the criteria of embarrassment. And they use this to, to judge whether uh, uh, antique or historical um, writings are, are true or not. It's one of the ways that they, they judge whether they're true or not. If there are embarrassing stories about the author, about the heroes of the story... That's probably, that's, that leans it towards the true side because who wants to write this stuff about themselves? You know, you're a big wing in the church. You're a big teacher in the church. Who wants to write this? Yeah, we were afraid. We were trembling. The story of Jesus walking on the water. The other gospels talk about Peter getting t- out of the boat with them. If they were writing this gospel themselves and, and making up this story, you know, Peter would have said, well, you know, when, when I got out of the boat, I walked with Jesus. That power transferred to me, and I felt the power and the control of the wind and the waves, and it was awesome. But what has happened? Peter sank. He sank. I didn't trust. I took my eyes off Jesus. I started to let my mind process through what was going on all around me, and I sank. I sank. These guys were fearful. Jesus tells them, we just look at Jesus, tells them, don't fear that which is going to destroy the body. And he puts them to the, the ultimate test later on where he actually walks to the cross and has his body destroyed, has his life taken from him for us. We know that for us, but he makes that ultimate example of, I'm going to go and sacrifice it all. You, you talk about fearing us fearing what happens to the body, I'm going to show you. I'm going to show you what trust looks like, what, what following me looks like. And he rose three days later, conquering death, defeating the grave. And what happened to these guys after the resurrection? The resurrection changed everything for them. The resurrection changed everything for them because what did they do? Almost every single one of these guys was martyred for Jesus, gave their life for Jesus. Followers after them would continue that, giving their life, looking for opportunity to serve no matter the trial, no matter the pain, because they weren't afraid anymore. This, this came true. Jesus said, don't fear that which can destroy the body. That became true for them. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. There's actually a second century physician in, in uh, Rome, uh, Claudius Gallinus, and, and he, he writes, he, he was interested in, in um, the body and how the body worked. And at that time in Rome, it was against the law to go and um, like dissect dead bodies, okay? If someone had died, you couldn't go and do an autopsy on them. They had said, nope, that's, that's against the rules, uh, nothing dead, We're, you're not gonna touch that, you can't open it up, you can't look at that. And so these guys didn't know how the body worked. Because they couldn't actually open up a body to see what the organs and the, the placement of things. And so they would actually go and the physicians would go to like places like the Colosseum where people were dying. They weren't dead yet. They were dying. And they would, they would go and say, okay, how's this work? How's this look? And they could open up those bodies. They could look at those bodies to see how uh, the human body functioned under stress and pain. They couldn't do the dead bodies, but they could do the ones who were sort of on the edge. And so uh, this guy, Claudius, would go and he would see Christians in the Colosseum. And he writes this this little snippet in in his writings. Uh, Now I've got to find it. Uh, He writes, For fearlessness of death and the hereafter is something we witness in them, Christians, every day. For fearlessness of death. And the hereafter is something we witness in them every day. These guys are not scared to die. Some of them have lined up to do this. And the testimony, we, we see them, they're alive. We interact with them as we are studying what it, how the body functions. They're not scared of death. What in the world is going on with them? We don't understand. We see it every single day. At the resurrection, When Jesus conquered death, it changed everything for these disciples, for the early church, and it changes everything for us as well. Jesus is showing them that the world he's inviting them into, he's inviting us into, it doesn't work the way that the world works around us. It's not the same. It doesn't work as everything that we see around us. God's kingdom operates in a different way. And we don't have to be afraid because we know who we trust in. kingdom of God doesn't work the way other kingdoms work and it's a better kingdom we all want something better don't we our longing is Lord there's there's something better right there's something better he says look at my kingdom look at my kingdom David King David the the father of Solomon he writes in one of his books he writes trust in the Lord and do what is good dwell in the land and live securely maybe this is where Solomon's getting this my my father trusted I trust Commit your way to the Lord, trust in Him, and He... This is what... I love this part of the verse, Psalm 37, verse 3 and 5. Commit your way to the Lord, trust in Him, and He will act. He will act, making your righteousness shine like the dawn, your justice like the noonday. And our minds get all wrapped up in, what do I have to do? What do I have to do? How do I have to perform? How do I have to babe? behave? How do I have to press on? How do I have to control this situation? How do I have to control this other person? And it says in Psalm, when you trust in him, he will act. He will act. Living in the kingdom means living as Christ in me, Christ through me, and it's not all about me. That's what it means to live in God's kingdom. It's living Christ in me. Christ is working through me, and it's not all about me, whatever's going on around me, it's, it's not all about me. Because, in a lot of ways, the root of fear, the root of mistrust, is an over focus on what's happening with me only what I can see, only what, what I can hear, only what I can process, what my brain's telling me. And so, we may find ourselves driven and drawn in fear. And fear can show through in anger, it can show through in withdrawal, it can show through in like passive aggressive attitudes, it can show through if we're panicking and we feel it in the, the heart, we feel it in our chest. And we may need to ask ourselves a few questions if we're, if we're fearful, if we're, if we're uh, in a situation like that. And Jesus loves questions. He always answered questions. He'd always answer people's questions when they came to him. But why am I fearful of this particular situation, event? What's going on right now that is making me afraid? What's going on that that is making me afraid? Or am I just responding? If I'm angry, if I'm responding in anger, what is the motivation behind that? What's the motivation for my anger behind that? Because anger is an emotion, and our emotions are just a response to what's going on around us. It's our way of responding to the situation that we're in. Happiness, joy, contentment, peace... Anger, all those things are a response to what we're going through. And so if I'm angry, what, what's, what's behind that response? Oh, they make me so angry. Well, what's behind that response? What's behind that response? You have to ask that question. If I'm withdrawn from people who are close to me, or maybe something I've been involved in for a long time, why, why do I find myself withdrawing? From that, is there something in me that's been challenged? Is there something in me that, that feels like I'm, I'm losing control and, and the only way I can respond is, oh, I just got to get tighter and closer into myself. And I don't think that's the position that Christ is asking us to take. Why do I not trust the decisions of, of this particular person right now or, or what, what's going on in my life? Have they proven themselves untrustworthy, which could be the case? There could be pain. There could be abuse. And we need wisdom on how to act in those situations. But maybe they haven't. Is it, is it, is it their thing or is it my thing? I'm projecting onto them. I'm withdrawing from them. But is, that, is it their thing or is it actually my thing that I need to walk through? Am I bleeding all over someone else who wasn't even party to the, to the fear that I'm feeling right now? And we need to walk walk through that. Jesus says, trust me. Trust me. Don't fear. You don't have to fear in my kingdom. Trust me. My kingdom is not of this world. It's not like this world. You can trust in me. And he proved it through his life, through his ministry, through his resurrection. He proved he's the one that we can trust on. And sometimes along the way, he's going to test Our level of trust in him by allowing a challenging situation to enter into our life. Something we don't feel like we have control over. And he's gonna say, Okay, are you still trusting me even in this challenging situation, in this stretching moment? Are you trusting in me? Are you trusting me? Some of these, some of the pesky little things they'll put into our life are other people. Can I trust other people? Do I believe the best of other people? Or do I, do I feel like they're just out for me? And with that, we have a great opportunity to, to practice our trusts with those who are around us in honest, open conversation. Can we be vulnerable? If we are in Jesus Christ, we are the church. And what do He say? We are one body. Can we be honest with other people in the body? You know, I'm hurting. I'm fearful. I, I don't know. I don't agree with what you've done over here but you know what let's let's be honest and vulnerable and talk about that work that through can we we come with non-defensive attitudes you know not putting the walls up not putting the walls up not pushing people away part of it is understanding ourselves that hey you know these these are these are when i fall into the, the trap of fear this is what it usually looks like and starting to recognize those traps that that come across my path and understanding that you know what I stepped into this trap, and it's affecting my relationships over here, but it shouldn't because the people didn't push me into this trap. It's something else inside of me that that had me step in this place, and I don't want to bleed on other people. And so we need to be honest. We need to let our walls down. We need to have understanding of who we are, understanding of where the other people are coming from as well in, in this relationship, and it requires communication. It requires communication. And when we put our trust in Jesus, it opens up the door that we can fully trust in what's going on around us, the relationships that are around us. Do you believe in Jesus? A lot of us here would say, Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Harder question is do we trust in Jesus? Do we trust in Jesus fully? What are the things in my life that are standing in the way of that trust in Jesus, the way he wants to do in my life? What are the, ways, what are the things that are standing in the way of what Christ wants to do in the greater body? But, you know, I'm just I'm kind of fearful. I'm kind of scared. And I'm not allowing myself to, to look at the bigger picture because I'm getting caught up in myself. Solomon tells us, back in Proverbs, we're going to finish with this. Solomon tells us the results of trusting in the Lord. Putting our full weight on the Lord Verse six, in all your ways, know him and he will make your path straight. We talked about that last week. Hey, when you start to gain the wisdom that comes from the Lord, all of a sudden your decisions become a whole lot easier and a lot simpler because you see the path. You see where the Lord is going. In all your ways, some some translations say acknowledge him. Mine says in all your, in all your ways, know him. I love that know. They mean the same thing, but in our English language, the word know is a more intimate Intimate expression of that. Know the Lord. Know the Lord. Trust in the Lord. Know the Lord. He will make your paths straight. Verse 8 this will be healing for your body and strengthening for your bones. No matter what happens in our lives, Jesus is going to give us the strength and the stamina to walk through that journey. Jesus actually calls it rest. If you're weary, come rest. Come rest. Come rest in me. Put your weight on me. Rest in me. When it comes to our relationships around us, when it comes to our relationship with the Lord, ultimately, fear can rule or trust can rule. Fear is a break. And we talked about wisdom is is a path that moves forward. Fear is a break in our life. Brakes. The brakes go on. I stay. I don't want to move. I, I, I don't want to jump into this uncomfortable situation. I, I've been hurt there before. I just, I, I'm not going to ever do that again. Fear can put on the brakes, but trust is a gas pedal that keeps us moving forward with the Lord, keeps us uh, moving down the path that he has set before us. Will we, will we work out of fear or will we work out of trust? And ultimately, ultimately, we need to put our trust in the Lord. We need to put our trust in the Lord. Lord Jesus, we thank you for everything that you have done for us. You, you've shown us how to live. You've given us the opportunity to live through your sacrifice, through the cross, and we thank you for that. And, and Lord, we do, we do want to walk with you. We do want to move in the direction you are moving in sometimes it means we don't understand and Lord may we be fine with that, may we be totally cool with just keeping our eyes on you and not keeping ourselves limited to just what we see or what what we think is happening in the world around us Lord you are bigger than that, your kingdom is bigger than that, you've called us to a greater kingdom, a greater kingdom we thank you for that and Lord we do, We, we, we come and we put our trust in you Daily, daily we put our trust in you, looking for your wisdom and your direction. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.